This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, vlog fans. It's Nate from the Everything Elite Show, the podcast to which you are now listening. Uh, There's no episode of Dynamite on Wednesday this week, as you are probably aware. So we're bringing something a little special to you instead. This weekend, the upcoming weekend, we have the Double or Nothing show. We will be doing, as we always do, a Patreon live reaction. So you can check that out if you are a subscriber to our Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. As a special treat and a way for us to get out of doing a show for a week, we are going to bring to you on this feed, in this very file to which you are now listening, last year's Double or Nothing live reaction show. So you can get a taste for what those shows are like. We were joined by our good friend Murder Brian on that show. So, uh, you know, check it out if you are interested in reliving the magic of last year's Double or Nothing. A, I think, very good show that uh, had a lot of things that exceeded expectations. Um, Of course, the big stadium stampede match on top. So take a listen. If you like what you hear, check out patreon.com slash everything elite. We'll be doing another one of these in a few days. Uh, And that's all from me and from the fellas. Goodbye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Everything Elite Patreon. This is the Double or Nothing 2020 Instant Reaction Show. Uh, You got the whole crew here, me, Nate, Mike, and a very special guest. I'm going to introduce him first just to mix it up. It's Murder Brian. What's up, Brian? Oh, it's your old pal, Murder Brian. (laughs) 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 Now you can't do it, Mike, but uh, thank you for introducing me first. Well, you know, the heavy hitter, you know. Uh, Mike, well, since, you know, you just got your gimmick stolen, I'm going to go right <laughs> to you. Mike Spears is here. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I would have done, uh, man, Brian's really sawing my dick off here, guys. <laughs> like, that would have been good. And I, obviously, I, I'm, I mean, I was going to talk about Uline later, so I, I'll keep in the holster. <laughs> I, I have Uline stories, Brian. Uh... Well, as you just heard, Nate, a.k.a. Epitis, is, is also here. What's up, Nate? Hello, I am also here. Uh, not sure if I'm quiet. I'm at my mother's house, so it might be too quiet, but I'm trying not to be. I'm trying to bring it. Uh, let's start out. The show just ended, so let's start with our big picture main thoughts on the whole show. I'm going to stick with this. It, it went well the first time. Brian, what were your thoughts on Double or Nothing? It was fun. It was good. I, you know, I was, I'm in a chat with all you guys, so I know how you feel. And now I feel guilty, but I feel like that last thing was a little bit long. (laughs) Just a touch 45 minutes. Like that is a long time at the end of a three hour show. A four hour long show. I, I do agree that it was long. Most of the segments were pretty long, but I, uh, really, it exceeded my, all my expectations. I was, yeah. I, I was not super looking forward to it, and pretty much everything exceeded my expectations. I loved most of it, but it just, you know, like sometime in the middle of that last match, I was like, this is like, it just went like just 15, probably 15 minutes too long. When I saw that the last match was starting at 11, I was like, it, like, 
it's the first time with AEW I've got that feeling that you got when you would be watching WWE and you were like, oh my God, there's still like six more matches. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I did. I, I did feel that it was uh, largely kind of a long show, but at least for the last match for me, it was like because it was a whole new setting and they were doing so many wild things all over the place. It was like enough of a change for me that it re-engaged my interest. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing to say. Like the thing that like strikes me, I guess, is going to both double or nothing and all out. I always felt like all out. There was a moment where I think like both were like all three of us that were sitting together, ABAT and I, we each had like a moment where we needed to get up and like walk around for a moment. And this was a show that like probably like to be fair, I think it probably would have been the Cody match would have been the match that I've been like, all right, I need to stretch my legs for a second. But, you know, everything that I was like, it's weird, like everything that I was like building up as okay, this is going to rule or this has opportunity to really rule kind of underwhelmed. And then like the stuff that I was like, okay, this uh, it's here for this actually was was the things that I ended up enjoying the most on the show. Like up until up until like the stadium match, like my top two matches on the show were the world women's title match and then njf and jungle boy i would not have expected that to be the case coming into it but all in all for like a show i was kind of dreading coming in and i was like building myself up for it across the day by like the, the time that like the main events were hitting and i was like okay this ended up actually being a really fun show even though if it wasn't necessarily as like knock it out of the park as like their previous big shows it's funny that like the match that really turned this show around for me was Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. And I was like, oh, this show oh, really? kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, we got to see Hog. I mean, what's yeah, there dude. now? Yeah, so uh, I like the show quite a bit. It was long and there were like almost every match. That's why that match was like a perfect length and it was just like kind of goofy and it was over. So much of the of the matches or so many of the matches were so long on this show. I like that. I I mean, like, my, I would say my favorite one was Jungle Boy MJF too. Like that that might be why I was so fatigued by the time I got to, uh, by the time I got to the stadium brawl where, where it was just like nothing has really reached the height of this match that was two and a half hours ago. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought that I was going to come in here with a hot take and say that was my favorite match of the night, but uh, yeah, that was probably mine too. I I basically did stand up and like just walk around my apartment and like. Uh, took a break from the show during the Moxley match. So that probably is why I was re-engaged for the end of the show. Nate, um, I'm going to go even hotter than you, okay. actually. And what I'm going to say is MJF versus Jungle Boy is the best empty arena match that's happened and was like good and could be judged on the level of full arena matches. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, as far as like a straight ahead wrestling match, I can't argue with you. You know, it didn't have any of the cinematic tricks and, and shtick and that they've done elsewhere. Although I will say, I mean, you know, they kind of cheated because they had enough people in the building that it's like only barely an empty arena match, right? Like they had a lot of people making noise. That's true. But in a lot of these matches, like the Cody Lance Archer match, which we will talk about, it was like it really hurt by not having a crowd because they tried to just do the same shit you would do in front of a crowd. And for whatever reason, MJF and Jungle Boy were able to lay out the match in a way that it wasn't affected by there not being a huge crowd there. So I feel like the people in the room were really feeling like that match was special too, though, too. You know, like sure. I, I, I think that like, uh, uh, 
the, there were actually crowd reactions to judge on this show in a weird way. And it was like all wrestlers. And like, I know that when I was doing stand up a lot and I was doing this stupid open mics where you're just in front of comedians, if you got one of them to laugh, then it like kind of propelled you to, to like finish up a set strong and I think that might have even been the case where like they were feeling that the people that were there were their peers and they they like respect them. And those guys were like, I mean, they re- I, it was a really good match. I, I, I couldn't I, I, I haven't watched the TV because I hate empty arena wrestling. Like, I think it's terrible. And uh, just to pop in for the pay-per-view, like I listen to your guys' show to know what's going on and Thursday Night Joe. And, uh, <laughs> like I listened to those two things to know what's going on. So I had a good idea of the storylines and, but like, you know, a lot of stuff was painted by opinions of the people that I, I also listened to. So, uh, you know, and I was excited for Brody versus Moxley because I like both of those guys, but like that match was one that I, I didn't even really know was on the show until you guys did your preview and I wasn't excited about it at all. And I was like, maybe even a little bit checked out early on in the match. And then like, uh, uh, it got me, it grabbed me. It totally grabbed me. So I, I just think that's a, that's a shocking feat in, in the empty arena world. Yeah. It's like, like very hard to get grabbed by a wrestling match. That's basically happening in a vacuum. And yeah, they, I, I think they did it. it was just like a good old fashioned, honest wrestling match too. No, uh, no tricks or anything. And like the thing that like strikes me and actually a question for you, Brian, as someone who's kind of checked out of the weekly programming, we're not going to cover the videos much. There were basically videos recapping nearly everything on this. Did the videos for you kind of parachuting in, did they do like any bit of catching you up or, or did you have like a similar response? I think probably, I know AB has a similar response to me like this, but the videos were like, all right, okay, we've, we've, you're doing like a full recap before the main event. You're doing like basically all this, like, what were your thoughts about those? Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, I can't tell you what a person who was just parachuting in would think because I, I know all the storylines. Sure. Because I listen to a bunch of podcasts <laughs> that talk about them. But, like, it was nice to see some of the stuff I'd heard people talk about. And uh, I thought the video packages were pretty good. Like, I, I think that the one for uh, uh, the arena or the stadium brawl was sort of funny to me. Because, like, I have been there for most of that build. And that has felt, I mean, you guys have said it even in the past. Like, that build is, like, pretty lackluster. It doesn't feel like a real rivalry. So that that video before it was really funny to me. <laughs> I, I will like- say, I'm going to go. Um, in defense of the length and the videos, it seems to me that they're positioning this to be their big show of the year. Tony Khan tweeted that this is their biggest show of the year. And, you know, you also had uh, a bunch of world title matches where all the baby faces went over. So if this is their WrestleMania equivalent, then I do think it's smart to do recap videos before every match because hopefully you do have casual people swooping in. And, you know, if we had had the idea beforehand, oh, hey, this is like a WrestleMania equivalent. It's going to be fucking four hours or whatever. We would have been able to prepare for that and it wouldn't have bothered us us as much. I also like the videos for posterity like the idea that people will go back and watch this show years from now and you'll have a a good sense of what the build was for for each match so i think it's important the other thing i think is important is 
Brian is just uh, high beasting all over our asses on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My man took off the antisocial social club sweatshirt to unveil the uh, neighborhood Tokyo (laughs) t-shirt. Well, I mean, I'm wearing my regular clothes. I wasn't like trying to show off. I got very hot while I was talking. So really, uh, you know, this is just this casual show off clothes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. No, I, I took a shower. I had to change shirts. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, do you guys agree with the thing about that? This being I don't feel like I agree with them calling this the WrestleMania, I guess. Like, I feel like all out. Yeah is their wrestlemania and like they don't get to, i mean i guess they do get to decide it but it sounds a little bit like i don't know bullshit to say that now this is your wrestlemania i feel like all out is their wrestlemania and should be this should be their their royal rumble i guess well, is my opinion yeah I, I, I think both double or nothing should have been better than all out so yeah in no, that I, sense yeah, and, and that's entirely fair. Maybe the idea of was that since this is was going to be at the MGM Grand, which still, I guess, since Newark didn't happen, this would have been the biggest arena they that they run that they you could say like, okay, this is the big arena thing. But it just seems like maybe it's something also that the uh, rights to All In are going to be so contentious that I don't think ah. they're they're ever going to get the first tape of All All In at least within the near future. So. Maybe like this is like justification that for like for Tony, sure, like this is because the first show that he put together for the company was the first double or nothing. So like I get it, but I, it doesn't feel that way. I just feel like all in was the big one and that like all out is a continuation of the all in tradition. But Mike, you're totally right that they don't have rights to the the they don't have the rights to the thing and it doesn't feel in canon anymore. I'm sure if you watched it now. You would be like, what the fuck even is this? You know, but uh it just feels like Chicago is the big show of the year. And and like uh I guess maybe I'm even doing a little convincing of myself because I'm never going to Vegas again, but I'm fairly <laughs> certain that I am gonna go to all out again. Brian I have to say, like, did just like what one bit of our own like personal DON retrospective, both of us turning to each other in Vegas and and playing electronic roulette, and we're both going like we hate this place. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. all the while like 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 brett's just like gambling the two of us were like this sucks yeah it's it's a dark place for me and, yeah. and my I, I i developed a gambling habit there over for four days so over, never electronic, going over electronic roulette yeah <laughs> well always bet on black is all i can say <laughs> about that all right well, let's go back to the very beginning of the show the buy-in actually which kicked off with uh, the best friends defeating private party to cement their position as number one contenders for the tag titles. Uh, Trent pinned Isaiah Cassidy with strong zero. Did everybody watch this match? I came Mine. in late to it. Um, it this it felt to me like one of those GCW matches where the guys have more ambition and more ideas than they're really equipped to perform at a high level. That's what it felt like to me. Uh, so I was like, well, you know, the you know they'll get all this with more reps and hit some of these wilder spots. But uh, right team won, so I was like, okay, it's fine. Mine wasn't work. My BR live didn't work for the first like five six minutes of the match, and then uh, I I came in and uh, it did. It, it's what Nate said. It looked very sloppy. But I mean, these are I mean, two of these guys are brand new, so. 
I wouldn't like knock them for having, uh, especially you're not going to knock two brand new guys that are on the pre-show anyway, you know what I mean? For trying to get reps and, and, and to have sort of a, a, a big spot without being really super in the spotlight. Like it was a fine match. I just, I just, I feel like I'm out to lunch on a, a private party in this weird way, because every time I see them, I'm like, these guys are like super green like like very and i people are like oh it's just, just they're great you know all the potential in the world but i'm like i don't know that yet because i feel like they're super green you know yeah and i i think like the thing about it is like they are super green they are a tag team that was not having reps like pretty much like one of the downsides i would say about AEW's like talent development has been you get like these people that really do need to get their reps in and it does not seem like they've been as able to get them into it because really they have the ambition and the ability there. It's just the connection. It's making things go and go smooth and not doing moves that look like they could really hurt someone there. So like it's, it's not even like necessarily kid gloves. It's just like circumstances. And if anything, this makes me like, look at that tag match they had with the Young Bucks of like such rose-tinted glasses because it did seem like that was a match they built up and maybe it was like the Bucks were like, okay, we're going to do, we see what you can do. You can do this, this, and this. We're going to put this into a match. Whereas it, when they don't necessarily have like someone basically setting up the match for them, they're not equipped for that yet. And you can't think of them for it. It's just they're being put on this stage as people who are basically just like guys that everyone found at Hog. So I can't ding him. And you know, best friends won. Like that was like the one thing that they really had to do. And I mean, that's the big tag match I feel like in the division right now. So that's like I have no problems whatsoever with that booking decision. It was like the one thing they're like, okay, there's no reason why Private Party should ever win this match, and they didn't. I kind of like to see Private Party get like Young Lion. Like, okay, do like suplexes and stuff for a little while, and work out that kind of stuff, and let's build back up to these big crazy spots and just see if they're able to kind of get there in a more organic way. Yeah. Some of that ambition. The, uh, what, what I think the, the later private party matches have shown was like really a testament to how good the young bucks were in their match with them and making them look like, you know, complete finished packages and superstars like, and you know, then they had, uh, you know, have had a bunch of other matches where, you know, you see a bit more of their greenness shine through. It's like, Oh yeah. The bucks really like, somehow covered all that up in their match it does feel like they should somebody needs to tell them like these ambitious spots like you're not like ready to do because there was like an exchange in this match between uh the two teams in the middle of the ring and it was like i think supposed to be this like super hot exchange but none of it i wish i could remember what the moves were but none of it looked like moves at all it looked like really sloppy and the best friends looked confused as to what they were supposed to be doing in the moment my favorite part of this match was excalibur trying to get chuck over as dangerous a dangerous striker (laughs) by saying that he went toe-to-toe with minoru suzuki and then taz getting mad that excalibur mentioned minoru suzuki because they have quote black towel heat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. a, a, a weird hour for taz on this show yeah, for sure yes. yes very very weird that the taz <laughs> stuff was something else man it was and like taz and excalibur are kind of like i would call my comfort food uh 
like commentary team because they're just guys they're having a good time and then they're yucking it up and then we'll get into this next match like but like that that line and excal excalibur like was on one all night and i thought that was something kind of remarkable from there to how he chewed out orange cassidy while being on the microphone just throughout the show he seemed like that he was someone who was really just like trying to pull through it whereas you know jr was jr and tony you know tony was good but like excalibur was the like the bright point to me on commentary all night Moving on to the main show, our first match was the casino ladder match. Uh, these were the this was the order of the entrance: Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana, Joey Janela, Luchasaurus, Brian Cage as the mystery entrant, and Brian Cage wins after Gorilla Press slamming Darby, uh, who was on top of a ladder, out of the ring. Yeah, I like the. Uh... You know, what's something we've put this promotion over for is they do a good job of like set dressing and themes and stuff to make shows feel a little special. And they did a good job with that again here with the, you know, all the poker chip stuff and using like an actual poker chip as the thing that you get from the ladder. This is like a nice, you know, little thing to make it seem like it's a special event and, uh, you know, uh, give, give it a little more importance and a little more uh, uniquity. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Um and I think Brian Cage is actually good. That's apparently a hot take. But no. pairing him with Taz is, uh, I think, a really good combination. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who can destroy tiny guys. And then if you put him in there with a super worker like uh, Nakajima or, you know, he's got to do a match with Kenny at some point here, he can, you know, hang and hold up his part of the bargain and be carried to something that's really good. So, um, you know, I think it's good to have the surprise guy win. And he's like a monster now. And, uh, you know, we've never seen Moxley versus Cage before. So why not? Nate, Cage is good, too. I agree with you, too. Drives me crazy when people say he sucks. Drives me fucking crazy. I mean, look, he's so fucking big. How can he be bad? He's like, I know. Four, he's 400% muscles. And people want to say he's not good. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, my only worry about Cage being around is I don't want it to overshadow Wardlow. So, like, that's my only concern yeah. with, with that. But, you know, uh, this match was just kind of, you know, Darby came out here. Darby died for our sins. Darby came back, died for our sins again. It just was just brutal stuff from Darby. Like he took some pretty like huge spots here. And I felt, I'm sorry. I felt like it was an unnecessary to start the match with the two guys from SCU. Yeah. I know that the Bucks like really love those guys or whatever. And, and, you know, they're, I guess they're always going to be kind of pushed, but. Jesus Christ, there's like so many different people in this match that could have used that first two minute shine, you know? Yeah, yeah. and you had that, and then you had like Kip Sabian come in, and yeah. then like Kip Sabian coming in, and Kip's just Kip like. Kip was good on this show. Oh, I man, Kip was like, it, it just was things like, man, like one of the big stories is managing expectations, but like this is supposed to be for a future world title match. And luckily at the end, it's like, okay, Cage is coming in. He has the manager thing, he has a built in feud of Darby, and now he is like, as y'all said, him versus Mox is something that you're like, okay, this is because I was like, my big concern about this match was what kind of title shot is this going to be? Is this going to be like someone that you expect to main event a pay-per-view? I think that with the right build Moxley versus Brian cage can main event a pay-per-view, but like you looked at like the rest of the people in this match, like orange Cassie, it would have been really great just to see like, let's go all in on the ratings and have orange Cassie go all the way here and see what happens. But it just seems like, Leading off like those people, you had constant Jimmy Havoc in his blood jacket. Uh, Brian, as our hype beast, what was your th thoughts on uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Havoc's blood suit? 
He dresses well. I like I like Jimmy Havoc's gear uh, on this show. And actually, my wife was watching this with me. Rarely comments on anything on wrestling, and said I like that guy's boots. So I'm gonna get a pair of white boots now. Is my new plan. <laughs> I-, I think that that's fantastic. And, <laughs> and, and and like you just like had like this thing in it. This was like the case of a, a match that on a long show that like started off and didn't really get going. Like other than like Darby's like first big stunt didn't get going until cage came in. So yeah, like that's, that's actually the correct way to do it is you start with the baseline foundation guys. And then you heighten the match as each guy comes in until you have the big surprise entrant who wins, which is why I was laid out so well. And they did such a good job building throughout the match and giving every guy who came in a lot of shine. And you also advanced a lot of feuds with the SCU implosion uh, the best friends and the uh, British basement uncle team. And then like everybody said, the cage and Darby stuff, which has been, uh, you know, uh, now launched out of nowhere because of the Taz connection there, which I think is really smart. I thought it was laid out like really brilliantly in that sense, without even doing a ton of crazy spots, you still advanced a lot of stuff and everybody came out looking better and having something to build to. You see, like I get like the idea of the build, but like the reason why, at least for a long time, the Royal Rumble was always a match everyone looked forward to is that you did have like the one or two big guys at the start that you could have them in. They have the, the interest, like remember like Rey Mysterio going so long or like Ric Flair that everyone's like, Oh no, like you don't, you, you have the heightened interest because if they get eliminated, like then they're by a bunch of scrubs and what's going on there. Like, could they last towards the end? There's like, maybe it is the fact that there's only one objective in this match and it isn't survival that you can do the building for this, which I can see for that. And it just was something that, on a show that knew already had a lot going on, ha- starting off and having a match that went this long and had like such a slow opening, kind of it, it, it quickly redeemed itself, but it kind of got like the main show off on the wrong foot in my mind. Other than, all right, we have Brian Cage and Taz, and Cage looked like a monster in this, and they treated Cage like they should. I'm in the middle of you two, really, because I thought it was laid out really well, except I thought it should have ended really quickly after Brian Cage came out. I thought they could have jumped right to this ending spot that they did, and he would have looked like much more of a monster instead of just like laying under the big poker chip for 15 minutes or whatever the fuck. I, that would have bothered me, except they did that great spot where Joey spiked uh, whoever was orange back onto the pile again, and that like gave them the perfect excuse. That was like, great. Well, he just fucking, yeah, he spiked the guy on top of him before he's going to get down. He still burst out of there like a monster. I thought it was really smart. We should talk about how good Orange Cassidy was in this. Oh. <laughs> Orange Cassidy and Excalibur. Orange Excalibur going, Tony told you 200 times. And just like, oh yeah, Orange Cassidy, like you could put him in each one of these matches that have like weird stipulations because you know he's going to find some way to make it entertaining. Jim Ross just like really not enjoying the whole Orange Cassidy thing. It's just very funny for me. That well, it's funny because he now we know him. he respects his work, but he's still I, like, oh, this guy should be doing his good work instead of this silliness (laughs) (laughs) all right next up was mjf defeating jungle boy with uh what excalibur called a modified european clutch which i think we've talked about quite a bit but it's like this for me was not quite a star making performance for jungle boy you know i don't think they've like uh, the aw star making machine has has spat out jungle boy but i think we'll look back on this as like okay this is where jungle boy proved that he had the potential to be a star and uh, i i think you could see it before but this was the first time that he gotten a chance to really uh put it all together i mean i'm always gonna love a match where a guy lets go of a hole because he needs to sell an injury 
So this, yeah. this worked very well for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to jump in real quick first. If they ever have some sort of online service, which I thought there would be some rollout with HBO Max with them and Turner, whenever they do like the documentaries of like the rise of someone, this might be actually the first Jungle Boy match you put on like in full in this thing, because this is like the big like formation match. But yeah, no, I, I loved everything about this match. This was the smartest work I feel like, as Brian said earlier, like empty arena style match that we had that was like just straight up empty arena. There was a lot of stuff to get into it. Maybe this will kill the MJF is bad discourse because I feel like MJF was just incredibly like old school like thing. Like this was him like when everyone says like, oh, he's an old school heel. This was him actually working like a good old school heel. Like you could see like Gina, Gino Hernandez or like really funny enough, totally Blanchard be like working this style. And I thought that it was all like really successful. Work rate MJF. That's what like that was. This is the first time I've watched him and was like, oh, God, I want to watch this guy wrestle more like, you know, I know he's great at being a heel and cutting promos and shit and talking and 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 being like one of those top guys. But this is the first time I've watched a match and was like, God damn, MJF kicked ass in this thing. Like he held up his side the same. I, like, I feel like uh, um, Jungle Boy was very good in this. But like, I feel like it it won't be talked about enough how good MJF was in this. Yeah, Alvarez was like that was the most old school match you'll see from you know on this show or really in this whole era, and it was from like a twenty two year old and a twenty four year old, which is pretty remarkable. But on top of just being a really good psychologically sound match with like lots of good little healing from MJF and those old school sort of tricks, like they did also escalated in that modern sense and did like a poison rana on the apron where he got dropped on his fucking head um so they really you know i thought did a great job hitting the best of both worlds on those points and uh was you know my match of the night like i said uh just that you know just a lot of little things that keep you interested from moment to moment where you know in any other match you're just like yeah i've seen a baby face on a heel wrestle before so what like i don't know if i've ever seen anybody kick away a chop to it to to do their comeback like jungle boy did so yeah i think these guys is like career rivals jungle boy and mjf should be just like darby and sammy you know just like preternaturally talented pretty boys and they can just keep escalating and coming back to each other forever and ever i think it was in our discord somebody pointed out like jungle boy is actually rich and there's like uh i don't know there's kind of like an interesting thing there between the two of them that like even in canon, like MJF could be jealous that Jungle Boy is rich and isn't big about it, you know, doesn't talk about it. Uh, but MJF has to, you know, so there's something curious there if they ever wanted to play into that. That is, yeah, because we don't have a lot of insight into the character of Jungle Boy yet. We just sort of know uh, the wrestler, I guess. So that is, you know, I don't want to get there yet, but that's certainly something to explore, you know, when they come back at each other the third time or whatever. Right, five years from now, we can talk about that. Uh, okay, so I, this I assume it will be interesting. Cody defeated Lance Archer to win the TNT Championship, be the the first TNT champion. He won ultimately with a crossroads. Uh, the whole deal here for me was that they did all the exciting stuff in the first five minutes, and the rest of the match sucked shit. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, wrong guy won, 
just a bad match. I just hated just about everything about this. Uh, just one thing. It was Aaron Quinn who brought up that line about oh, yeah. old money uh, Jack Jack Perry versus new money MJF. But, Thank you, Aaron. Great point. Um, so I, I kind of liked this. Um, I, the part I enjoyed most was, I think, like you, uh, like the Lance Archer heat and stuff. That was all like, oh, Lance Archer is really good. This is like a veteran who knows how to uh, 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 walk around a, a match like this and really draw it out in an engaging way. And we've seen him do that, um, uh, you know, in more recent times in New Japan. And I was like really into that in a way I'm not usually into like a long heat segment. And I thought Cody's like facials were tremendous in a way they're not always. Like he came out and you could see like intensity in his eyes, I thought. And like just he, he was from the beginning way ahead of where he was like in that MJF, you know, blood feud match where I was like, I, it just didn't connect with me at all. This connected with me at the beginning. Uh, but yeah, then they just got into a bunch of overbooking stuff with the, with the old guy managers. And it's like kind of risky to have so much of your match depend on precise timing from these old guys who like kind of have to, you know, slowly make their way up to the apron and all this stuff. And like, you can kind of see it all coming and you're like, Okay, well, I hope he gets there in time, and this doesn't look super fucking awkward. From, um, from Jake, like, like, let's be straight here. From Jake, like, yeah, well, even Arn, Arn, like, waited too long to go and pull Lance Archer off the turnbuckle or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I don't know. It was kind of, I, I wanted Lance. I thought Lance Archer should win. I didn't come away from this like mad that Cody won. I was just like, okay. I, it kind of just got to the funny zone for me. It probably just goes of the, the chat we were in or whatever. But I was just like, yeah, that is pretty funny that Cody brought in Mike Tyson, and, you know, brought in Arn Anderson, brought in Jake the Snake so he could do one of his giant overbooked matches uh, and have Mike Tyson give him the title. It was just like, <laughs> I, whatever, I can't be mad. It, it, it's something that, like, I don't think anything in AEW loses as much effect in front of an, a lack of a fan base. Like not even like the crowd, it's the fan base and having that energy. Like I, I think like all of us have now been to enough AEW shows to say Cody does have an aura in front of the AEW fans. But when you do Cody's uh, melodrama out in front of just wrestlers and staff members, it completely falls flat. And I think like that's the thing there that if this match happened in the NGM Grand with like Mike Tyson getting involved there and having like 12,000 people there the crowd would have been fucking nuts for it. And it would have been like the thing, but instead you got like old and old. You had Mike Tyson rip off his shirt for no reason. Didn't notice he had the Shea Guevara tattoo, which is pretty, which was like, Oh, Hey, you got a Shea Guevara tattoo. And then it just was like, Oh, it did not feel like you were able to get invested in like the emotional level. that I think that Cody Rhodes, especially in AEW really needs. And when you don't have that investment fit, it's just like, well, Cody, at least in my opinion was pretty much after leaving WWE up until AEW. When they put the camera on Mike Tyson and he was yawning, I thought it was like one of the best cuts ever. I mean, I thought this match was fine. Like, if I was like, if you did star ratings or something or out of 10, I would give it a five. It's like, it's like whatever. It was, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on this match. I love that Brian just changed the star rating scale. <laughs> well, I mean, I would give it two and a half. I, I went two I mean? and three quarters. I went two and three quarters on it when my yeah. notebook. So, like, yeah, 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 no, I hear you there. I, I, I was just saying, if, if it was out of 10, I would give it five. It's like a 50%. It was just kind of like, I like all of Cody's matches. I was pretty high on his match with MJF. 
comparatively to everybody else, I was like, mm, I can't believe people didn't like this. But this one, it was, it really, I didn't, I didn't get a lot out of it. And and the Mike Tyson stuff was <laughs> funny though. It is funny to have Mike Tyson come in and like sit in a chair and kind of just go to him every once in a while reacting. Very it, weird. Super weird. Totally. If they, if this had been even, I think in the MGM with a full crowd, uh, I, I, you know, my, let's be honest, Mike Tyson is also just an old guy now. And yeah, he, just, very. He, he, he doesn't have that physical presence and charisma anymore. He's just kind of awkward now, um, which happens. Well, with uh, an incomplete belt, too. Like, he just was like one of those things. <laughs> yeah, that, that belt. And he was yawning. Was, yeah. <laughs> the yawning was excellent, though. And, like, he's supposed to be good. throwing out, he's supposed to be throwing out Arn. He just kind of gives him the back of the hand. He's like <laughs> laughing about it. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, if this is supposed to be like a big emotional, you know, high drama moment, like, uh, you know, Tyson at Mania with uh, Michaels and Austin, it, it wasn't going to be that because Mike Tyson's not that guy anymore. Hey, hey guys. Mean, Mike Tyson was laughing a little bit, though, on the Shawn Michaels Stone Cold thing, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. he wasn't that good even in that thing. Yeah, but his aura kind of carried him. Where yeah. just like, I know this guy's a killer, so like him having a weird voice and laughing just kind of makes him a little more intense. Whereas now it's just like, this guy's, uh, you know, just a little off kilter or whatever. Yeah. Um. So late breaking news coming in. They're doing a press conference right now, and um, Moxley versus Cage will be happening at Fighter Fest. There's no inclination if it's a special event or if it's going to be a special episode of uh, Dynamite. So why do Fighter Fest again? Like, well, what can't look fondly on Fighter Fest? I kind of well, do. I actually kind of do. Look <laughs> well, like the thing Fighter is, there's Fest. no gamer convention like this summer. Like that that gamer convention got moved to December. So is it, is it going? So we're we're thinking it's going to be empty arena do we think it's also going to be free like are we really gonna get i thought that they were just like we're not doing these free pay-per-views are you fucking crazy <laughs> yeah I, I mean i if it, the way that it looks like for me from what i'm reading it looks like this could be a special edition of dynamite over the summer that sucks but so, so, sorry that sorry that just came in so i just i uh, the news never stops but that's yeah no i mean that's fine that's kind of a decent thing to do they, they've done a good job of these of like sorry brian they've done a good <laughs> job of like, for mox not wasting like money matches for these empty arena shows and uh, i mean frankly i think there's a possibility you could make mox and brian cage a money match but it's not as we stand today so that's fine uh the only thing i was going to say about tyson was like the the thing with Austin was that he gave Austin the rub because Austin seemed like he wasn't intimidated by Mike Tyson and he didn't actually, he didn't do anything for Cody here. You know, it didn't serve <laughs> the same purpose except he just waved off. He, people. he endorsed him. He endorsed Cody. He right. endorsed the like, TNT uh, almost like halfly constructed title. Right. It, it would just be like, you know, me having Arn Anderson hand me the belt on the promotion that I booked, you know, like <laughs> just whoever you're a mark for, you have them hand you a belt. So, I mean, I would love to be handed a belt by Arn Anderson. Sure. Like, you know, that's a great time. I mean, I would just make sure that if I'm going to, like, understandably, like, things are crazy, but having, like, my, if my, if you already booked, like, this thing, like a title thing, and your title's not ready, maybe don't, maybe push back the title thing because, I think everyone's reaction when they first saw that belt was, I think I'm the high person. I was like, oh, cool. It looks like they have Ted Turner's estate plates and it looks like an NWA TV title, but everyone else seems to 
buried that new title belt out of it. I'm, I mean, they built and, you know, built a tournament up to the title match. I'm sure that was all done well in advance. And they had no idea there would be an issue with the belt. So you can't cancel the match on the pay-per-view because you didn't get a belt plate finished in time or whatever. Like, it's fine. People have to give it a pass. There's a pandemic. Who cares? Uh, Doc Sampson came out next to tell us that Britt Baker has uh, some ligament and tendon injuries. I, I could not write down what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, but he said that the, the patient is worse than the injury and Britt uh, <laughs> will announce the timetable for her return on Dynamite this Wednesday. Doc Sampson like, rules. Uh, yeah, I like having more characters in the workplace drama that is AEW at times kind of a HIPAA violation a little bit, but I'm <laughs> going to be okay with that. Yeah, I was pretty concerned about Doc Sampson's just complete uh, carelessness with confidential information. But <laughs> And like if you're Brit and you hear your doctor talking about you this way, really going to fuck your confidence in your doctor. Oh, that's, you know? and it, but it's not her doctor. It's her employer's doctor. That's definitely a lawsuit down the line. That's true, right. True. They, they did play it like he was not involved in her actual care, which I think was uh, was a good way to. Would be funny to see a story like it just turns into a scandal down the line, and we have a Doc Samson storyline where it's like <laughs> he's getting in trouble and censured. He loses his health license because he has because he offers up this thing because someone could attack Britt Baker's knee now and know like exactly how to do it. Oh, that's good actually. I like and, and, and then Megda Perek's going to have to like draw up like some like malfeasance paperwork. We're going to talk about like separations between Doc Samson and AEW and make sure that she's, the company's not legally uh, liable for the free agenting of the doctor. There's a whole way we could really get into this, Nate, that I think you would be really into. Yeah. I, I was setting you up for that mega Perek reference, Mike. I, I mean, I <laughs> my, my, my favorite person behind the scenes in AEW, mega Perek, what can I say? Next so the show. details for Fighter Fest are this weekend. That I was looking it up because I was like, this better be a Saturday. I need a date now, and it needs to be on a Saturday. Or I'm, I'm just going to cage be like, match. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, for me, it's like, if you're going to do, they made it sound like they were going to do these little B shows for free on BR Live. And it would be wild for them to just take those and just be like, no, they're dynamite. It's just a dynamite, really. Like, a dynamite is just a dynamite, you know? I mean, they're probably not free now. It's probably, because it doesn't seem like BR Live's a thing. And they're probably like, okay, we're not selling any tickets. Like, if we can get some more revenue, let's do it. Yeah. That would be my guess. That's a fair point. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, 
it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you get a display again of all available cards hit rates grading so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack you are going to get something valuable you are getting something good and arena club in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about is also a marketplace for card collecting buying trading selling displaying all that sort of stuff But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out a passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors 
without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Uh, next up was a match that was added late to the card due to Britt Baker's injury. It was Chris Statlander and Penelope Ford. Chris wins with the Big Bang Theory. Brian, what did you think about this one? First first Chris Statlander match I liked. I actually thought this was a good match, and I was really expecting to think it stunk. And by the way, I want to say Big Swall was awesome on this show. <laughs> like standing as she was like, she was like my barometer for how things were. It was like, they were like, really were like, you know, we need you guys to be loud out here and her and Vicky Guerrero. I could hear through the whole thing, but this match was good. I thought this was good. I I think this was the first time I was like, Oh, now I see it with Chris Statlander, especially wrestling Penelope Ford, who I know is pretty new to the stuff. Yeah. If there's one big takeaway from the show, the younger talent that have been brought in, took that huge step forward like we've been talking about for months about how we thought that darby was already like we all knew how darby was beforehand uh samuel guevara already took the step up and like again like when we get to the main event killed it here but chris statlander made her step forward here one because she did one of my favorite moves that of the wrestling i'm watching in the pandemic she did a davy richards tope to the outside completely just overshooting uh penelope ford and kip sabian and it looked nasty as hell but no this was a match that i feel like everyone was kind of like a little bit wincing like this could be not very good this could turn into a mess and this i mean i want three and a half stars on this match i love this match i thought this was great and i thought that penelope ford you know we're talking about chris atlander penelope ford has really come along as well too i think they that they could really like look at the show and say like hey our younger talent really stepped up and given the opportunity here especially in a bad situation like this yeah, it's ex- exceeded my expectations. This was the point of the show where I was like, oh, everything on the show is going to be good. Like, you know, this this match hit pretty well. Like, this is going to be just a blessed show. Uh, I, I especially liked Stallander just really spiked her on the finish and just threw her legs off her. Just like, I'm done with you. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I fucking beat you with authority. And she did. It was good. Good match. They pretty quickly transitioned here of like, okay, I mean, Britt, I think, was going to win this match. And it's like, okay, Chris won, and now she is, you know, number two, and it's very uh, cemented that she's number two, and we'll go ahead with her. So, I mean, that worked. I just thought it was fun and the right length, because I was, what I was saying earlier about the show turning around for me was a lot of this early stuff, even if I liked MJF and Jungle Boy, and even if I liked some of the latter match, it's like all these things felt a little too long. And so they did this match that was like the perfect length. Then they went into the next one, the Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears match, which was like two minutes or whatever. So, this is when it started to be like, okay, I think they're going to find a good uh, middle ground here. Uh, Sean Spears came out in a suit. He's asking where Dustin Rhodes is. Dustin's music plays, but it was Sean Spears doing a bit. He tells Aubrey to ring the bell and count out Dustin. Uh, maybe the first time Sean Spears has ever been funny when he yells, wins matter. as He's uh, waiting for Dustin to be counted out. 
Uh, music hits again. Brandy comes out, and then Dustin attacks him from behind. But we get a very quick match. Uh, Dustin Rose defeats Sean Spears with the final reckoning. This was basically a hog match. Uh, hog and ass. Really hated yeah. the hog joke. Didn't make any sense to me. The, uh, where, 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 where honest, he had that custom made. Custom made. Yeah, Didn't I mean, any, I, yeah. I mean, we weren't supposed to see it. You know, that was the joke. So I, he he has his custom made Tully Blanchard underwear made for his just his own peace of mind. Very yeah. dumb. <laughs> Don't like it. I really just like thought it was his dick when I when he first like, yeah. came out. Yeah, I thought he was showing brain there. I was open. I was going to see some hog. I would have <laughs> given it a higher rating if there would have been a little bit of hog in this match, but they didn't have the guts to do it. Uh, no, this was fine. I, you know what? I really tune out when I see Sean Spears every time. I can't help it. Yeah, but at least they like just straight up. They just squashed his ass in like yeah. two minutes with Dustin fucking Rhodes of all people. So it's like okay, at least they did what they wanted to do. It's fine. Oh. It was an I have, big, I have a bigger complaint. Go okay, ahead. all right, go ahead. Okay, why is this higher on the card than the finals of this tournament that this comes out of? <laughs> True. Like they 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 talked about in this match, like oh well, you know, Dustin got knocked out of the tournament and Sean got knocked out of the tournament, and it's like, you mean the tournament we saw come to a conclusion earlier in the show, and like that's in the past now, and we're supposed to care about these two, uh, you know, losers of the losers brackets, um, just. Too much overthinking at WWE stuff to to try and do a fancy card order because you think this should go on before. Just put the biggest matches on last. I, on the other hand, I would say this was a this was an impromptu tuxedo match. That is a high stakes match that should be up there with a no DQ, no count out women's title match, a very heated men's world title match, and then the same stampede. This was like the next biggest thing. next biggest uh, stipulation. You had a tuxedo match here, Nate. I mean, come on, like you had a strip someone down to their their skivvies and you know it worked out there and it was only two and a half minutes long i actually don't even get the joke of why he has his manager on his underwear what does that mean (laughs) he loves his manager like he i guess like having your manager's head on your penis is a weird thing for somebody to do I guess is what the whole thing is. Yeah, they like yeah. they like zoomed in on his face after we saw it and him being like, oh no, people weren't supposed to see these underwear. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not saying it's <laughs> funny, Nate. I'm just saying that it's like the thing that happened. I, <laughs> I, it, 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 I mean, it's like a, it's a Vince joke is what it is. It's like something yep. Vince would find funny. I, I mean, it is, but it did make us double take and make us think that we saw his balls on TV, which is, yeah, which is was, funny. No, it just upset me for the time where I thought it was his balls for a time. It was like, I, this is, this is, you know, now the show is uh, tainted because we saw this guy's taint. <laughs> I legitimately thought it was the head of his cock. I mean, <laughs> I, I <laughs> would have been very, very round. <laughs> so, so, so if we were going to play the, like the square of inch game, you were thinking, you were thinking head. I was thinking balls. Uh, the, the thing that got me was I thought for a second, like that they were supposed to pull down like one pair of tights and he had like a G string or like under, or like a, compression shorts underneath it and i was like oh is 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 his dick poking through the compression shorts into his actual boxers and we're seeing his compression shorts now that's what i was wondering when i saw this my man did not have anything on under those underwear i mean it's pure ass all right nate didn't like it that's fine i don't want to talk about it anymore (laughs) i didn't love it either nate i'm with you i just yeah explain the joke 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would love them to have, I would love to sit down and be like, what's the joke? Like, can you walk me through the, the thought the process? Right. Yeah. What is the, who are we laughing at? I, yeah. I mean, I certainly don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, it was just like, yeah, the layout of this show uh, sucks shit. Like, the, the design of the card didn't make any sense. And especially in these, top three matches which were all like outside of the ring brawls it's like okay well why did you do all those three back to back that doesn't make any sense uh you certainly cody has his spot right like that's like a thing that we're not gonna get Mm. a cody main event i think you're right yeah you're right about that yeah all in and all out you sort of just like we're firmly in the, the middle of the card there yeah, I think it's this weird thing of like trying to act like he's not putting himself in the main event, even though he's booking himself to win this fucking championship and have Mike yeah. Tyson hand it to him. <laughs> <laughs> After that match, they announced that All Out is going to happen on September 5th, but no location was announced. So I'm assuming they're going to hold out hope that they're going to run this in Chicago, but who knows? Yeah, there hasn't been any notes about date. I have heard something in Chicagoland before everything and that they were saying that there's a chance that more actual touring dates might be announced. And I think those are the uh, adjustments from the shows that were postponed before the outbreak. Well, I can tell you uh, they're restarting concerts in Chicago in September because I got my Miku date on September 25. So, you know, it might be uh, within the realm of possibility to have a wrestling show in September. It's like hard for me to imagine. I'm supposed to go to a festival in like the second week of September. And it's it's like there's just no way all those people are going to get together in September. Right. Is it outdoors? Yeah. I might. But it's I like, sort of feel it's like, like 100,000 people. Yeah, but I sort of feel like <laughs> you don't put the gene. You're not going to be able to put the, the this is politics talk that you're making me do. But I don't think oh, you're putting a I'm toothpaste sorry. back in the tube actually like i think once they opened everything up that's it you know like once they opened uh once they opened everything back up they're definitely not closing anything we're we're like on a collision course with whatever you know but concerts are coming back (laughs) like for sure and and like a wrestling match it will just continue escalating yeah, it's just good. And, and like, even because, like, I, I, I've said this on my show, it's like, even if the casualties start going up, like, every update I've seen about it, people are like, well, duh, they're testing more. You know, if the infection rates go up now, people are like, oh, well, they're testing more. That's why they're going up, not like because they're going up because <laughs> right. things are open you know so i just don't think they're i think that like it's every man for himself and yes concerts are gonna I, all out will probably happen and i probably didn't announce the date because they want to be able to move it out of chicago if chicago is not open you know yeah yeah i mean maybe this is going to be a show with ten thousand people i don't know i will probably not be there i will probably not be hanging out with ten thousand people in september i'm not I've, I'm not, I, I am not going to anything until somebody is like, uh, Hey, very low chance you'll die. If you go to this, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I, I said, I don't think I said this on the show, but said before that I was not going to talk about all the videos, but I do want to talk about the hype video for Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida, just because Shida said she wasn't scared of Nyla Rose because she already beat Aja Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's the biggest Trump card you could really do in that. You're like, Oh yeah. yeah. 
Aja Kong does not skip. I, I beat Aja Kong. You don't terrify me. I thought. I I think that's something that like worth noting is that they're feeling a lot more comfortable to let Hikaru Shida go on without a translator. I think that's pretty like. Her English is great, so you might as well like. There's no reason to have like Nakazawa translate or anyone translate. Like, let I think Hikaru could cut promos enough for an American audience. So I think that was pretty great. Her English is really good, and it's not like she even has like a really good, uh, I guess, enunciation. Or you know, there's not it's not heavily accented or anything either. Either uh, they did give her like subtitles, which fair enough. But yeah, I was that was remarkable. I was like, oh wow, that's. Very clear. You, you know how her enunciation might be so strong? She apparently learned English through the Harry Potter movies. So yeah. that could be it. Well, and she's like a fucking white meat baby face. So she can say like very basic things and it works exactly for what she's trying to do. So it's fine. Uh, Hikaru Shida defeated Nyla Rose uh, to become the women's world champion, the third women's world champion. Uh, and she won with a running knee strike. I know we talked a lot on the previous show of how much we did not want Hikaru Shida to win this match, but I, I feel like I know Nate and or Mike and I uh, kind of shifted our thoughts as this match went on. Yeah, I tweeted that too because um, they did a Hana graphic at the beginning and just talked about Nyla being the bully in this feud, uh, and it, as the match went on, just felt like Shida should win it. And this match was done in a way that like. This might be one of my favorite plunder matches I've seen in a good while. Like that they did like the appropriate amount of it without overstepping it. And in such a way that I'm going to put myself out there. I th- I usually hate rematches, but you could justify with how that match went that, oh yeah, Nyla and a regular ta- a regular, regular world women's match is justifiable here. Like I feel like that they did that. I think that the finish looked brutal. Nyla did like this Death Valley driver to her that looked like sick as hell and then like all kinds of stuff with the poker chips they had all the poker chips from left over from when kenny made them make it with like 24 hour notice from last year and by god they were going to fucking use the poker chips this this show which ruled i mean i that this was like the show that really used the environment and i felt like that they or this was a match that did so not and you know before the before the uh the stadium stampede this was my match of the night like this match i felt like was incredible they did uh I also liked there was a point where Nyla went to get the table out and she like went to stop her from getting the table out because she was going to use it, which is like, you don't really see that. Like, no, I'm going to prevent you from getting plunder out and using it on me by attacking <laughs> you. It's like, oh, that makes sense. People should do that. But they also smartly laid it out around the idea of um, uh, uh, Nyla having taken her kendo stick. And then when she finally got the kendo stick back on the outside and was like, you know, leading up to the finish, like, Got the big reaction from the crowd, which is what you're looking for there. And, you know, she goes down and chops her down uh, to get the the triumphant babyface win. So, yeah, I was uh, this also exceeded my expectations. I was very uh, entertained and engrossed with this. Brian, what were your thoughts on this one? I, th- I thought it was good. I like Sheeta a lot. I think she's my favorite woman in the company. So uh, uh, it was good. I enjoyed the match. I, I, I thought Nyla was going to win for sure. I It really got me when when Sheeta won actually I was like what the fuck I I can't believe that happened but you're right they did show the graphic before and they seem to be saying that Sheeta was friends with Hanakamura so makes sense it yeah I don't know that that's the case actually it seems like Jim Ross might have been going into business 
Yeah, that's um, I I just but it sounded like that's what they were saying. Like yeah. when 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 Excalibur also gave like a sort of speech at the beginning I think of this match where it was like are, were they like friends? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was I think it was good to do the the sort of feel good moment. I will say um you know I, I, the show I thought was really good. It is like a remarkable achievement to be able to do a wrestling show at this time and have it actually improve your mood and like lift your spirits and make you come out of it happier than you were going into it. Cause I have been on like a hair trigger for like 24 hours. Um, and this was like, Oh no, I can watch this and be entertained and, you know, talk about it with you guys. And that's like a relief. Yeah. We're not avoiding that topic. It's just, I don't know that any of us are ready to talk about it. And I don't plan to talk about it at length on the show. Uh, the cool thing about Hikaru Shida, I think is that with everything going on, she feels I don't mean this in a way of like she was able to be there when other people couldn't, but she feels like the consistent thing in this division from the beginning of the company, even to now. And she feels like the right standard bearer for the division at this time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I said it on the weekly show or if it was in the preview I did for VOW, but I said she's the glue of the division. And I mean, she's the person that I mean, I remember even like back in Charlotte, she basically had the tryout match with Big Swole, and like that match was one of the matches that got Big Swole contract in the con- the company. She's someone that I feel like most of the division's best matches are against Hikaru Shida, and I think that she's someone that they can be with, that with how things are and with how things are going to be, and there might be some changes going on from something that I saw that uh, Cubs fan tweeted. But she is the person that like when you're like looking at this, and you know uh, the if this is WrestleMania. Your big baby face moments were that all the big baby faces won at the end of the day. So like this made sense that like she's like the most like white meat baby face. And it makes sense that she came out the win and she had the special gear for the night too. So she should win. I mean, you have the special gear. You should have your title of your special gear. So yeah, no, this is probably one of the matches on the show though. Other than like the stadium stampede that I definitely like since I got on BR live, I'm going to go back and probably rewatch sometime just because I came away with this. I mean, I went four and a half stars on this match, and I don't do that very often. Like, I saw Bentley's, like, eyebrows with that. So, like, this, with the exception of, like, the the main event, this is my best match of of the pandemic. Well, I guess here's my hot take. My match of the night, John Moxley defeating Brody Lee. I love this match. I had an arm choke. Mox won with. It kind of did everything I wanted it to do in that Brody Lee got to, like, show off that he's, like, really good he can have main event level matches in this company but they also didn't kill him uh, not in the way that they kind of hurt i think they hurt archer in, with the finish of that match but in this match Brody lee looks like no less strong than he did coming into this match for me they did you know they had him uh get bloody he kicked out uh, on one on the one paradigm shift and then he passed out he, he didn't tap out he didn't get pinned uh but this was like Everything they they fucked up in the in the Cody match for me of like having that quick start, but then going into this lull and like trying to build up to a, a hot babyface moment, but you just can't do it with the crowd. They didn't try any of that shit in this match. It was just like onward, onward, onward from uh, minute one until it was over, and so it really worked for me. I really loved it. Yeah, I was kind of down on on this coming into it, um, but so this again exceeded my expectations. Uh, I will. I'm going to probably complain about this until the sun goes down, but uh, they just do plunder in every like match, right? Like every match has plunder. It's like, okay, I guess whatever, you know, BCW, who cares? Uh, I didn't particularly like, they did this whole 
you know, uh, uh, separation at the beginning with staff in between them while they did the title presentation and stuff. Um, and then they had a whole giant brawl and they ended up back in the ring, those exact same positions where the each one's in each corner. And it's like, okay, we just kick each other's ass for however long. Uh, now we're going to reset and we have to keep going at it. Um, and the, the, the finish with the stage breaking, taking that right from Bam Bam Bigelow versus Taz in ECW and Moxley climbing out of the hole uh, that I popped big for that. That, that was what the, uh, that was like, I thought this felt like, like a TV WWE TV match until the hole. And then I thought it got it. Then I thought it got really cool and interesting, but I, 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 I sort of felt like I'd seen this match before up until that moment. And then like, it got like, cause I thought it was real cool when Moxley was like elbowing the shit out of him to, to try to get him to, try to get the dirty deeds to actually the dirty deed the paradigm shift to actually work you know i i thought i thought the finish made a lot of sense and it kicked ass and it made brody lee look tough but i did not feel like brody lee like i i didn't feel like he looked like anything special in in this match but maybe i also had expectations that were very unrealistic of this guy because i was very excited to see him wrestle you know well, well, what were your thoughts about his active slacks he wore tonight? <laughs> My daughter asked if he was wearing sweatpants with, I mean, uh, work pants with uh, words on them. And I was like, everybody said it was slacks. And I was like, those aren't slacks. You leave him alone. But now that you say it, I'm like, this motherfucker was wearing slacks. I, 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 it wasn't a bit. I was humming to myself, Brody Lee's in action slacks. Brody Lee's in action slacks <laughs> as this match went on. That, that shows you where my mental state's at these days. But, like, the, the thing that, like, I had, like, big trepidation. Like, this was the one title match where, as soon as it was announced, I was like, oh, yeah, Mox has to win here. And the problem is, is, like, how you do this without completely make Brody Lee, like, the way that you've built up Brody Lee over the last, like, month and a half look like a punk. And... Well, how is a good way of doing that? Do a plunder brawl, go through the stage, get busted open, get elbowed in the face for like a solid 45 seconds, and then get choked out. Like, And I felt like that that not only kept Brody like looking okay in a match where I thought that Brody kind of like went for it in a, in a way that he kind of wasn't in squash matches. But at the same time, Moxley came out of this like looking like the, the badass champion that I feel like that there's been a little bit of issues of how Mo they portray Mox versus how he performs as Moxley. Like other than the Kenny Omega match, there really wasn't like a lot of that other than like him overcoming the odds against inner circle, but he didn't feel like a badass to me by the end of that match. He felt like he was smarter than the rest of them. This one, he, he drove a dude through the stage and then elbowed him in his open wound and then choked him out, which I thought made him look like an absolute badass. And I think that ruled. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, um, allegory or something because i get what brian means like the beginning of the match uh like moxley's doing his dives and brody does his dive and they're like wwe dives right like he kind of pushes them he lands on his feet or whatever and you're like yeah i've seen this before you know it's like when you cody versus sean spears it's like yeah this is this reads like an ohio valley wrestling match or a wwe match or whatever so those guys kind of have to go like the extra mile to overcome that and be like, no, this is a wrestling match now. This is not the WWE Raw match you saw with push dives and shit. Uh, but I, I think they got there in that one a lot because, you know, Moxley doing his MMA stuff and and just laying in the elbows. Uh, the the stage crash, like 
didn't look super gimmicked. Like it looked like it probably fucking hurt because all of Brody's weight came on to Moxley going into the deep end of that hole. Like, yeah. So I, I think they sort of broke out of that expectation for me and was like, no, this is like a real, you know, down and dirty fight here. Yeah. I think I just, I, I, I want to say, cause I did like this. I just, I, like I, I I was like thinking of my mood through I I guess sort of the whole match, and I didn't really get up until they went through the stage, and then I was like, oh shit, this is like really serious. Yeah, that's before that's where it got that, real. Yeah, yeah. Before that, I was like, shit, they're just gonna do like a, a, a an extreme rules match. You <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> it's what I yeah. thought was gonna happen. And Moxley's dives stink. They always have, and <laughs> <laughs> so like, but but like. I thought it was pretty. I I thought it was pretty good, and like I thought it would be really good as like a, a, a TV match at the beginning. But yeah, in the end, they made Brody look like a badass, and they made John Moxley look like a psycho. Like Mike said, for the very first time, he actually looked like he lost control. Yeah, I just think it was was tough with having these three matches back to back. I mean, I especially think it hurt. I mean, everybody loved us, so I guess it didn't hurt it that bad. But I especially thought it hurt the main event, which we'll talk about next, because it was long, and you'd just seen two, like, plunder matches right before it. So I think this could have felt a little more special. Before we talk about the main event, though, this summer, folks, the unrivaled collection action figures are hitting stores. (laughs) Brian, have you pre-ordered the action figures? What are your plans to obtain all those? I own three action figures, and those Ooh. three action figures are uh, uh, Daniel Bryan, Our Truth, and Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan. <laughs> and I will never buy another one again. What a collection! That's I would call that an unrivaled collection. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't think I, I can do any better. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I might be able. To, I, I have a two pack. I bought one two pack, still in the original plastic. As you are wont to be. Two pack of. Uh, NWO, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and Dennis the Worm Rodman. That's, <laughs> That's sick. I mean, I don't think I've had a wrestling action figure since I was a kid. But, I mean, I did get a shipment of a bunch of Dragon Gate figurines <laughs> this last week. So I'm not really one to judge anyone on that. But, I mean... I would, I would have bought a uh, Wardlow one, maybe. Oh, and Wardlow I, is there. I would, in a second... I would buy a Michael Nakazawa one because I think it's just weird enough to own. <laughs> I, I mean, you buy the Ward Low one out of love, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I am a fan. I, I'm trying to think of like, I, I guess I would buy a QT Marshall one. Like, I, I like the R Truth one is act. Well, I mean, the Bobby the Brain one's my favorite one because I like Bobby the Brain Heenan. I think he kicks ass. I think he was like legit funny. But like the R Truth one is like, it really does kick ass because it's just like, why would I own an R Truth action figure <laughs> at all? I mean, sometimes you just gotta do things to pop yourself, you know? Yeah. And, well, and my think- daughter picked it because R Truth was her favorite wrestler for a period of time. <laughs> I have the uh, the Four Horsemen four pack. Okay. So, mm. You know, on brand for me. Did the rare, like Ole Anderson action figure that you could get was an Ole Anderson one. This is uh, Rick, Arn, Tully, and Barry Windham. Okay, so so the good ones. Yes, that edition of, of the Horsemen. I hate the shit on their work, but the chests and stomach 
proportions on these look really weird. <laughs> they look like I'm crab people. Saying. Crab people. I think people. it's because they, they're supposed to move or yeah, something, right? Yeah. yeah. But it but looks like, like they're wearing a skin suit of armor to me. <laughs> uh, you, you know when Chris Jericho used to look like a, like a lobster torso? Like he had like the really <laughs> weird torso. That's what they kind of look like. They look like that Chris Jericho lobster torso. Yeah, like some of the guys, like Phoenix looked like really skinny. And uh, maybe Omega too, if I recall. But some people just looked looked a little bizarre. Uh, the Elite defeated the Inner Circle in the first ever stadium stampede match. Uh, maybe the last ever stadium stampede match. Hard to say. Uh, Kenny pinned Sammy Guevara after a one-winged angel off of like you know the first level like concourse steps area. Yeah. It, was it was like a platform. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was wild as shit. Um, <laughs> Interesting, you know, I I'd talked a lot on the preview about how Matt Hardy had gotten all the all the everything in, in the build. You know, he'd gotten the pinfall, and uh, but here Kenny ultimately gets gets the pin to win it. But Brian, you said I think you were maybe the low man on this match, so I, I want to hear what you have to say about it. I mean, it was just like a we're we're this long into the show. I, I don't think it serves anybody to do a 45-minute match this long into the show. And, like, I understand that they did a lot of stuff in this match. But, like, I was also watching with two other people who were interested in Brody Lee and uh, Moxley. They were both, my wife and my daughter, were both watching that match, both making comments, both enjoying themselves. And then about... 25 minutes into this my kid was like like how long is this going to go and that's how i started to feel too was like jesus christ like this thing is like it just keeps going but i thought there was fun stuff in it and i thought some of it was pretty cool but it was one of those things that i and people are going to get like mad at me but it was one of those things that's like wow i wish my family didn't see me watching this you know (laughs) I don't think anybody's getting mad at you, Brian. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, but I mean, I, I know that's something that people say about WWE and shit like that. It's like, why I, I, I don't want people to walk in and see me watching this. And there got to be a point where, like, the second time, or, or I guess it was probably in the pool when Matt Hardy was doing all of his things, and I just saw the lights in my wife and my daughter's eyes go out <laughs> and just be like, I'm just, what even is this? That, and I, and, and the bell spot, I think really hit them hard too. And then that's, that's what hit me. And it's like, I understand like, it's fine to do goofy stuff. And like, I'm not against it. It just was really long at the end of a very long show. And a lot of the comedy some of the comedy landed with me. I like Kenny drinking milk. I thought was really cool. The horse was funny the first time, and then they went back to it. And like, uh, um, there was good stuff, but like a lot of the comedy didn't land with me. But that's also um, like a snob, you know what I mean? I, I yeah, mean, I uh, go ahead. They're like they're like two bits that didn't land with me. Um, like the the flag stuff and the review stuff was like a little goofy. You know, yeah. even getting away from the Matt Hardy magic stuff. So, yeah, you know, you cut those two out and, and tighten it up a little bit, and it's probably a better match. But, you know, those bits probably also landed with a lot of other people that aren't me, and probably, you know, everyone has their own taste. So I have to give this credit because it was like, 
they took pretty big swings here, connected on most of them. And I'm going to prefer that to, I think, playing it totally safe in this context, especially because this is a genre of wrestling that these guys obviously love so much between BTE, between all the Broken Universe stuff, and between you know Kenny's time in DDT and his uh, everywhere matches and all that stuff. So to see all that on the scale of an NFL stadium with cheerleaders and fireworks, smoke machines, you know, special football wardrobes and all that extra mile stuff that they did was like kind of incredible. It was like, like for the first few acts of this, I was like floored. I was like, I cannot believe what a major event and how epic this all seems. And then, you know, a couple of the bits didn't land to me, but it's like, whatever. They had already won over my goodwill enough that I was like, that's what a, what a just fun thing in wrestling. I, I think it's one of those things that, and not to pair what you're saying, I think that for a lot of it, there are certain bits that worked better and certain bits that worked worse. Like to me, the funniest damn thing was uh, Jackson the Ville getting the juice effect. Like that was the thing that when I saw that, I was like, all right, Chris Jericho, who I think his style of comedy is my style, is my favorite style of comedy. I felt like that almost everything Jericho did, including like doing the review thing where he gets into Aubrey Edwards' face, so that that was kind of a funny commentary on that and then i thought that the flag for excessive celebration although it was a little hokey I thought, as soon as i saw that aubrey edwards had a referee flag i was like oh they have to use referee flag and you know i felt like that that validated it i guess like for me the thing that like got me with this and the thing that i think that you can only do so much with is you had this match with all like all this buildup and, and all of that and you had like all this like ridiculousness throughout it after a certain while, like I feel like the closest thing is like the Tokyo Dome and the arena match where there were like set pieces and they would move to the set pieces with that. I would, I feel like that if there were some sorts of like ups and downs a little bit like this, like take people more onto it that you just weren't like, okay, here's a bit here. Here's a bit here. Here's a bit here. Here's a bit here. It just at a certain time, like I feel like that's something that kind of made it feel so long was that you didn't have like the peaks and the valleys of like when, like Shinshiro Tatagi and Minoru Suzuki were in the Tokyo Dome. They did the bit with Saki Akai being the beer girl. And then they like walked around and you like you were you were brought back down a little bit before the next one. And that was something that I feel like kind of reflected with it. I, I do think my personal MVP of this match was Chris Jericho, though. I thought Chris Jericho had like the the funnier lines in this. I feel like the comedy that was based off of Jericho, at least to me, it resonated with me the most. So I could I definitely saw a lot of people freak out about Matt Hardy having Matt facts. So, I mean, like, there's, I feel like there's a little bit for everyone here, but when you have a show this long and you have a match that's unrelenting like this, you're going to get people that, like, I feel like it tempers their reaction out of this. I, I want to say that, like, I do, like, when we've done live shows, uh, you know, now that we have openers, we have to be, like, kind of uh, cognizant of what's happened like how long the show's going you know and you can like watch a crap the lights you can watch people feel like like okay like too much you've given us too much you know what i mean like and 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 uh there is like a a, a major difference between a two and a half like a two hour show and a three hour show or even a two and a half hour show and a three hour show and like uh i think that like the thing that maybe didn't work as great for me here is that like 
I think this match in 25 to 30 minutes probably lands with me pretty well. But 45 minutes was just like, fuck, Jesus Christ. This is like almost a whole other show, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what makes it tough doing these like pre-taped things, especially when it's not in front of like a real live crowd anyway, like an actual 10,000 seat arena or whatever, is it's harder to feel. I mean, that's supposed to be part of the art of pro wrestling, right? It's like that it is an interactive art form. And so you feel where the crowd is going and you know where to nip and tuck and when to go home. And you kind of get none of that here. So I don't know. The way that I watched it and enjoyed it was to kind of half pay attention. And once I realized it was like bit, 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 and uh, really zone in when it like seemed like, oh, this is going to be funny. <laughs> yeah, like little things like Sammy Guevara running. The way that Sammy Guevara kind of ran and like flailed. Like those are like the little things that like tickled me. And then when like Matt Hardy like threw Santana into the ice machine, I was checked out for a second. Like it, th- th- this is that, not that some... was good because that was a callback. Mm-hmm. Like that. I, I mean, um, I don't know. I they I think they also did a really good job of they clearly had all those wrestlers and people at, uh, in the building watching this pre-tape so they could pump in live sound to it, which is just so smart to do when you're doing one of these cinematic matches. If this was all dead and no sound whatsoever, then it would have been probably a lot more awkward. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought there was a ton here to like. So I um, like the Western stuff. They have Paige riding up to a bar and parking his horse outside and going in for a drink, and they have a whole Western brawl. Uh, the Matt Hardy stuff, I don't think we really – because it's so goofy that we don't really appreciate it kind of how uniquely it takes advantage of pro wrestling. Like there's literally like 20 years of lore there that you kind of have to be familiar with it to get the full appreciation of that bit through different promotions and universes or whatever. Like there's not a lot of mediums that can do something like that and have it deliver you a specific punchline or payoff. Um, so yeah, the when, once Sammy like woke up on the sprinkler, which I thought was like you know one of the jokes that hit for me was him just like crawling. You get him crawling, and it's like from that point on, it's like a horror film where Sammy Guevara is like the main character. He's like waking up, and then he's got all these people chasing him. Callback with the golf cart was brilliant and, and excellently shot. Uh, and then you know it's got basically a Terminator drone locking onto him, and all these people approaching him on this platform like they're zombies. Like I thought that, that was all tremendous. So. I, I, I do, you know, you can always tighten it up and improve it. Uh, but I think it was kind of a, a remarkable achievement in what it was. Yeah, I feel like that was the first one of these that I've seen that I don't at the end of it go like, what did I really watch here? Because I think you're right, like the ending of it where like Sammy like wakes up and like you could put this like in the lane of the dead. Like he wakes up there and is like just completely discombobulated, make perfect sense. I mean, like the big overall beats in this match, like, okay, Jericho gets completely just wiped out, goes through a table, and then Hangman lackadaisically uses a uh, spray paint line thing. I know it has a proper name, like a line maker over mm-hmm. him. And like that's one of the few things saying that 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 Hangman does. The whole like roadhouse part of it was a very funny thing. And I felt like that probably the thing that when I watched this match, I was like, oh, that sucked the most. One of it was when Kenny Omega went through the guardrail hitting the concrete. The other one was them fighting on top of the uh, pool table because Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah, those things the, are fucking firm. Yeah, the slate there, like that just looked like that fucking sucked. So like the, there were things like this, but I, I, I do think like on the whole about this thing, like like, like there's little bits I think everyone's going to dislike out of this. I, and if you're someone that it hits across you 
like if it, the, you were batting a 100, 1,000 there, hey, congratulations that you have your new favorite match and I'm happy for you. It just was one of those things that it's, it's something that when you do a match like this, that there is something a little bit for some for everyone. But if you have a every, little bit from everyone, you're going to have some other moments, like as we're saying, that just pull us out of it. This was also like the best cinematic match, probably. I, I would say that this is as good as a sin. I can't think of a, a better cinematic match. And I felt like this adhered to the rules of wrestling very well. And that I can get into, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think that the, the comparison point is that DDT empty arena, um, arena match. And those are like, this I think was definitely inspired by that. And because they had all the special production ability with all the, you know, NFL, the NFL uh, cheerleaders. Uh, were there. Yeah. I, I think it, 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 I think it excelled in that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, certainly better than fucking one last beat. My big negative, I guess, is that uh, this seems to put this feud to bed. And so the the long promised blood and guts match, I, I assume, is on the uh, on the shelf for some other unit. Dude, that's a that's a positive because it's a silly match tip. No, that's you're wrong. One you of the wrong people to live. This extremely storied feud is over. That <laughs> yeah, I'm sad to say. I mean, I, I still think that like if you're not having Cody do another face off against Jericho, then what are we doing here? Like you can't write this all out with Matt Hardy there. You've got to have Cody, and it's got to be in blood and guts. And I'm gonna fucking watch every single uh, War Games match d- derivation because I need to do this because I've started something and I have a whiteboard now with ever with our rankings on it. I'm gonna be very unhappy if I don't complete this. Well, that's right. I'm up. amped about blood and gut. Like I want to see that, you know. And, sure. But I do, I do not feel like I will say I do not feel like the inner circle versus the elite is like. I really feel like like there were so many detours on this, right? That like it doesn't yeah. even it doesn't feel like it's finished. It barely feels like it got started to me. That's true, and it's also fucked up that like the elite win without cody <laughs> yeah like that's the thing like so why would they ever have a have a rematch i i mean like not target number one was cody with chris jericho and all of them so right. like, you, you, you gotta right. come back to it also the last pay-per-view had uh uh jericho and moxley which moxley's not in the elite and cody and mjf wrestling and it had uh uh um Fuck, I can't remember who Kenny and Adam Page wrestled. Young Bucks. They, the Bucks, right? Yeah. So, like, there wasn't there wasn't any matches between any of the inner circle and the elite. It like this wasn't like a feud, you know. <laughs> but no, I feel like completely. yeah, I feel like they they felt like they had to make up for the blood and guts thing, and they did it. And it was fine, but I do feel like they can go back to this when there's audiences and they can do blood and guts and it'll have rough. This might have actually been a beat in the story that makes the story seem like real and bigger now, I think. Yeah. Do we think this was uh, uh, Adam Page squashing all his beef with the elite now that them all uh, getting together on the same page and walking off in victory? Nah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean that really i mean they kind of played into it with like him going away you know and like oh adam is off doing his own thing he's off drinking in the 
in the club. Right, but then he shared a drink with Kenny after they right. teamed up and hit their tag team finisher. But he's always, he's been, always been Kenny, right? Yeah. yeah. Him and Kenny are cool. Yeah. It's him and the Bucks. I don't know. Felt like a pretty definitive babyface win and resolution to me. But yeah, didn't I, the Bucks at the beginning ask where he was? Like, didn't, yeah, they, didn't Kenny there. have... Yeah, but I'm saying, like, Kenny was like, don't don't worry about it. He's he's around, you know? Like, they, it, it just insinuates that they never spoke to each other before right. this match. But he was there. I mean, Kenny promised he would be there, and he was. I mean, that's a pretty big... That's a babyface thing, right? I mean, that's a... He, he did what he was cavalry. supposed to do. Came in on the horse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very funny. I I enjoyed that. Him chasing after Sam. I mean, Sammy Sammy's just... two running bits were like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, Sammy Guevara, MVP. What, I, a, yeah. what a character in this promotion. I, I I mean, Chris Jericho doing the... Playing around with the, with the gridiron stick was tremendous as well. Like, everyone who was like... I, on it, like the only like things that didn't like ring true to me were just like Matt Hardy stuff personally, but also that's just paid, humorous though. Paid off my wrestling fandom and watching, and you know uh, Jericho continued his his feud and issues with Aubrey, and the Bucks revived theirs with Rick Knox and gave him a super <laughs> kick, which of course is you know uh, years of PWG lore. And we also got an Every Day Is Earth Day on the show from Excalibur. Yes, so I pop big for that. Yes, I. One thing that I hope happens when everything is opened up and all the bullshit's going to happen after all that. I want Excalibur to be able to take Tony Schiavone to a PWG show. Cause he seems like that he enjoys all the weird bits Excalibur has. And I feel like that he would be a, he'd be a fun person to go to the globe theater and, and turn around at the bar and you see Tony Schiavone and a Tommy Bahama shirt and his earring. He's like, Hey, how's it going? And you're like, Hey, that would, that would be really fun. Just him on commentary, just freaking out at whatever the luchadors are doing would be a show seller to me. Do, do you think that he would like be able to comprehend like Taros and Hiodel Vikingo? Just be like, oh my god, I can't never seen anything like this before every four seconds. <laughs> All right, last question. I, Mike and I'll talk about this on light, but I want to hear what Nate and, and Brian have to say. Uh, on so on Dynamite, we're going to get a battle royal to determine the first challenger for the TNT championship. So Cody's going to get a challenger on Dynamite. Who do you all think uh, should win that? So it has to be somebody he can beat. Yes. Presumably a heel. Presumably a heel. Or somebody he has an issue with. I think it could be Darby, really. Uh, it feels pretty quick to go back and have him beat Darby again. They just did it in the tournament. True, I guess. But it feels like that is they feel safe doing that. I guess. Sure. Who, yeah. I'm trying to think of who else is in a tournament. Cause I would guess it's somebody else in the tournament. Right. I'm terrified. I, it's going to be Kip Sabian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's what my job to is. I kind of, uh, maybe just like the butcher. Hmm. Big guy. I don't know. Imagine the butcher with the TNT belt around his waist. They have a history. They do. They do. That bad belt. I, I hope they never get it fixed now, just because it's it looks so bad. It's it's great. Oh God! I, what if it's John Spears? You know, well, can't do that. just embarrassed him too much on this. He has to go away for a while. Yeah. I kind uh, I mean, what other heels do we have? I can't remember the whole. I kind of feel like the butcher is a good shot. Yeah, I mean, the butcher makes sense. I mean, the thing with Darby, I feel like that whatever happens, then uh, Cage and Taz will fuck up Darby's shot. Because even though that the Moxley title shot's going up, you have like that simmering thing that 
Taz is going to prove his point there. Uh, I was I would always say, hey, Phoenix, but Phoenix, you know, it's not not there. Um, no, maybe uh, Penta, though. Pen- I, I mean, he exists. Penta, Penta is in Mexico City. Oh, okay. oh there was the, the thing today that maybe people can start coming into the United States. So. Yeah, because Penta would actually be a great TV champion. The more I think about it like that, it's like a guy for TV. Uh, Scorpio Sky. Good I'm going to go. Uh, um, fuck, I just had it. The Butcher, <laughs> the Butcher or Trent? Oh, Trent? Trent would be a great TV champion. I like He's, he's not going to be a champion. He's going to lose, Mike. He has to lose. Well, I want to have some doubt in my head. No, no. Doubt. I want to Nate, dream. Uh, Nate, I love you, but Scorpio Sky sounds like the right answer here. Oh, wow. We've got some consensus on the on the panel. I don't know. I don't know if they want to beat Scorpio Sky in another singles title match. I don't know. You could do Kazarian instead. And, you know, oh, God. he just had that good match with Omega. You didn't watch the match, Brian. You don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. It just is one of those. Like, when I saw him, the first guy, I was like, so this is the guy I get the maximum amount of time with. Frankie Kazarian. They, just, you know? <laughs> they have like no heels right now. Well, I also think because the Butcher and the Blade have not been on TV at all, that's also like fresh. Sure. And yeah. a good way to reintroduce them with some legitimacy. Well, I, I want to create some um, opposing consensus. So I like this idea of the Butcher and I'm going to go with it. Uh, one mm. last news thing that popped in uh, about Brian Cage. Uh, apparently the SoCal Uncensored report was true in january and also said cage was paid the whole entire time he was injured as was was expected to be cleared in may from the jump and ideally they would have taz and cage do something sooner but had to wait so hey that's i mean like we don't in general know a lot about like their healthcare system and like that but that's a something that usually wrestling companies don't do is like hey we're bringing you in you're getting this surgery uh we're taking care of you for this and we'll start you back when you're healthy Right, so they paid him even though he wasn't injured working for AEW. He was, yeah. He hadn't even started working for AEW. Yeah, yeah. Right. He was signed, but they're like, oh, we'll pay you with this and not pay you at the start date. So That's good. I like that pairing. I hope Taz teaches him just to do a million suplexes and he just tosses guys around. I just hope they fix his entrance music. Oh, you don't yeah. like Taz's oh. accent? Well, what is, what is <laughs> the, the line of cage? cage the path of cage. What does that yeah. mean? Yo, you path can't of- stop. The path of Cage. I will say that paths. That's not a thing. (laughs) Also, the first thing you see of him is him ripping a ladder in half, which was a really nice touch, and I love that. that. Oh, I didn't notice that. That rules. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He came out with a little ladder to rip in half. Oh yeah. I mean, I was more focused on the fact that Taz was wearing a bowling shirt beforehand and did like a full suit change, like in five minutes, with like a pocket square. And came out with the orange towel right after he said he had black towel heat with Minoru Suzuki. So he had to get his superstar shit on him <laughs> after the match, just yelling into the camera. Yeah, that was like great. A yelling hype man could be very effective for that act. So I'm 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 into it. Yeah, I, I hope we get Cage versus Marco before the title match. I feel bad that like I feel like we're most positive on this promotion on these instant reaction shows to draw on the Patreon. So, like, all the roster members that listen to our normal show you would be like, oh, they always have all these complaints. And this one, I'm, like, very positive about it, but I'm sure they will never hear it. Well, somebody there has got to listen to these shows. I, I mean, that I have reason to believe that, as a show, we are well thought of in the office this week. 
Wow. Breaking news. I don't even you know, know about Mike's it. always withholding little bits from us, Aaron. I don't know. I mean, Tony Khan oh. can afford it. So I think he might have the Patreon. I, I wanted to uh I wanted to make this point earlier about the uh I mean it's who cares at this point, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The casino ladder match. Not only, you know, you Nate, you were talking about these little bits and uh they're good, but like also the chip makes so much more sense as something to cash in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you cash in your chip. Nobody cashes in a fucking briefcase. No, I mean, <laughs> but you yeah. do. So it's yeah. good. And it also doesn't it doesn't seem that it's like a uh anytime, anywhere yeah. challenge. That was something I was concerned about. And we didn't talk about it earlier. They had other chips that they used as stuff, like uh Moxley and uh Moxley and Brody Lee, like they were throwing chips at each other. That was cool. They're throwing the cage, yeah. the stage at each other. I like that. I, I did a, a, some a friend of mine texted uh th- this set blows the WrestleMania set out of the water, which is very funny to me. So this is this just furthers my theory. All the baby faces went over. I think this is they're supposed to be the WrestleMania equivalent. It just might be. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Anything else you want to say about the show or just generally just about I'm life? Just very annoyed that this is their WrestleMania equivalent, but I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it slide. It is all out. See, all, all out is their anniversary show. See, you can you can you can have your cake and eat it too that way. Okay, but I just think all out is the show. But I like the difference between Bound for Glory and Slammiversary. <laughs> That's sure. true. That's true. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. It was really fun. I feel like I get my money's worth when I talk about the show after. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it. So thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us on the Patreon. And we got plenty of good stuff still coming this month and uh, next month, too. So stick around. That's it. Bye. Bye.